Welcome to another episode of the Sheverse World Podcast. It's your host, Danielle Stead Blanton here, and I am joined by my co-host, Carter. You guys have heard him maybe in previous episodes or intros, chiming in here and there. He is joining us as well. And speaking of multitasking, I hit record before taking off my white strips. So team, you want to talk about getting it done no matter what. This is just getting it done. And if anyone is out there multitasking right now, I see you. I honor you. I am with you, sis. Um, And thanks for being here. Today's episode is a great discussion on the new age of brand building. We're joined by my friend Liz Van Voorhis, who is the CEO and founder of The Fit Collective, which is a collection of health-focused brands collaborating to enhance their experiences through partnerships that come to life. What this really is, is that Liz is bringing her decades of corporate marketing experience and success to create the intersection of people, products, and experiences. And as somebody who has gone to Liz events, as somebody who has also worked with Liz as an influencer with brands, I can tell you that this new age of brand building, experiential marketing, and bringing brands to life is really the future of where we are taking things. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this discussion with Liz and myself. We're talking about her corporate background and the impact and importance it had on her ability to grow her own company, which I think a lot of us can relate to. Liz and I are talking about living in your purpose and in alignment with core values and even how she's identified what her core values are, how building long-term relationships is, like I said, the new age of influence and consumerism super fun discussion, collaboration through real life experiences, and also the power of networking and becoming known as an expert. Cannot stress it enough. It's not even seven points to make a sale anymore, fam. It's like 7 million points and you have to be the expert. So it is all about who you know, building your network, but building your community so that you all trust each other. I love this episode with Liz. And I love how this episode came to be because I had put out a call to action in my Instagram stories. Who do you want to hear on the show? Nominate a friend, nominate yourself. And Liz went, I would love to join the conversation. This is exactly what I am hoping to achieve here. And even more than that, I've had a handful of wonderful people reach out nominating their friends or themselves. And on that note, I would love, love, love for you all to nominate a friend to be on this show. You know women in your life who are so powerful, who are so incredible, and you want their wisdom and stories to be shared. Let me know who they are. I'd love to reach out to them, and I'd love to have them join this table and join this conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to dive into it. Carter and I are going to go back to lunch. Happy Friday, fam. Love you all so much. Welcome back, friends. We have a amazing episode coming your way. I am so excited. I always say I'm excited, but I'm like super duper excited about this because my dear friend Liz Van Borges, the CEO and founder of Fit Collective, is joining us today. And Liz is going to do a great job explaining Fit Collective, but basically what you need to know is it is a collective of health-focused brands collaborating to enhance your experiences through partnerships, cross-promotions, content, all of those amazing things that we see happening and we're like, how did that actually come to life? That's Liz for you. So without further ado, I'm going to let her explain it a little bit better, but can you all give a big welcome to my friend Liz? Hello. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for just taking time. It's a Friday afternoon and I don't know about you, but I feel like by Friday I've lived a lifetime 
So just for you to then give me some extra time of your week, it means so much. I appreciate it and I can relate. I really try on Fridays to um, keep my schedule open because my brain is dead. And so I try to do admin in the morning, content or, you know, uh, fun things in the afternoon. So I'm excited to be here. Oh, I like how you said that. Does that mean you have like a really good like schedule and calendar where you're kind of like, I do this on this day and this on this day? I'm always curious how people structure their weeks as business owners. Yes. So I, um, as we were kind of chatting before, I am prone to having my attention and my mind go everywhere. My mind is definitely naturally a ping pong match. And so I have to put a lot of things (laughs) into place to keep it from being that. And so I am incredibly structured. I'm also a Capricorn, an oldest child and a uh, manifesting generator. So just for all the context, but, um, you are absolutely a Manny Jen. You are (laughs) sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just like, that's the most accurate description I've ever heard of someone for you. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I got my first chart read in human design, I was like, somebody gets me. You know, I saw all the bullet points and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, get off on having an efficient schedule. Like that's exactly me. Um, so yes, I, I have to do a lot of work around my schedule to keep me as productive as possible because I do wear a lot of hats and have a lot to do within my business and my, and my life. And so I try to take most of my meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I leave Monday and Fridays open for, getting the work done. So Mondays, I really try to do the hard work that requires a lot of brain power. And then Fridays, like I said, uh, you know, content, creative, admin. And I also do most of my proposals or things that require heavy brain power in the mornings because that's when my mind works best. Mm. Now you're talking about heavy brain power, proposals, admin, all that. Dive into for all of us a little bit more about Fit Collective, what it is and what you're doing when you're actually doing these deep dives of work. So Fit Collective is my company. We develop partnerships between brands in the fitness and wellness space. So I represent people, products, experiences, making this world healthier. And that can come to life in a variety of different ways, everything from, um, creating a pop-up event series at Art Basel with my client Morning Mindset or Ty Beauchamp and Morning Mindset with Ty in combination with Athletic Greens, or it can be a sport and cycle sock that was launched by Tavi, which you know the brand well, and in collaboration with Peloton. So I worked with them to create a co-branded sock for Peloton to sell on their, through their retail channels. So it can, you know, partnership marketing comes to life in many different ways, but those are some examples of the type of projects I've worked on. Those are like some not so casual name drops right there. (laughs) I feel like, I was like, I'm sorry, you do what? (laughs) Like how do you how do you even connect with brands on that scale? And how do you come in and say, like, hey, I have this great idea for an event for you? Or, or is it that simple? So it's interesting because I'm very fresh on this. I taught a partnerships marketing 101 workshop yesterday. So I've got all I've got all my notes and my spiel lined up so I can easily kind of fill you in on that. I mean, I think I'll start with my background because that really in so many ways teed me up to do what I do now, if the, if that's okay, if I share that now. Take um, us back. Take us okay. all the way back, Liz. 
to the gap days, right? Yeah, very good. Uh, yes. I'm like, how do I tell this in the most chronological way that makes sense? So my career, the first part of my career, I spent in a very kind of corporate professional environment and experience. I worked for three different companies. I started my career with The Gap. So Gap Inc., uh, I did promotions and events for Gap Brands. So I created their first ever mobile tour. And it was really what made me fall in love with experiential marketing. So creating experiences on behalf of brands. One of, I had many takeaways at The Gap and I always call it my third parent professionally because it raised me in my career. It truly, and you know, when I left that company, I was there almost nine years. I didn't realize that not everybody got that type of investment in training and leadership and development. And so I felt extraordinarily lucky to have started there, but they were incredibly customer centric. And so everything that I created while I was at that company, you kept the customer in mind through the entire journey. So, you know, I really have been able to bring both that and that the goal was obviously to get the customer to the register and to purchase. So both of those elements have come with me throughout my entire career. After that, I worked for a retail sampling company that did Costco sampling program, which most people like, that's why you go to Costco, right? Because you want some snacks and Absolutely, it's not actually yes. Costco. That, yes. Yeah. Does it. Um, so they brought me in to start up their experiential division. So more high-end brands and brands within the beauty space and creating different experiences on their behalf at all types of different retailers. And so that experience for me was extraordinary because I got to build a company on somebody else's dime, which I always recommend if you can do that. Um, I you know, started the division and when I left, we were doing, let's see, I had about 40 full-time employees on my team, 10,000 contractors in the field that did events for us, and we were doing about $8 million in revenue a year. So as you can imagine, I was very busy those three years creating and developing that. But then I, I wanted to be in New York. So I moved to New York. I worked for a large-scale production company called Lead Dog Marketing Group. And at the time, um, the, the best in its space in terms of creating experiences. So I was a VP of accounts. I oversaw fitness, technology, and retail. And so my clients looked like Reebok, Equinox, Women's Health Magazine, Sephora, Intel, Famous Footwear, and we created large experiences on their behalf. So everything from Intel's consumer electronics show booth to taking them around the world on a six country, seven city global tour to developing a 10K race series for Women's Health Magazine and the Feed Foundation in New York, San Francisco, Chicago. So if anyone ever needs to know how to shut down the West Side Highway, I've done it before. Um, So these really, really, really large scale experiences, but um, I wasn't happy. And during that time frame, started a series of health challenges. So I had six major health hardships in six years and the loss of my mom to brain cancer. And it was a real wake up call for me around what the heck was I doing? I wasn't happy and I thought it was my job. And I now know that, you know, a job can give you unhappy days. You know, you may not like a role or a company or a boss, but true happiness really resides inside. And what I, what I, understood during that time was that I didn't have a purpose. And so Mm. for me, you know, that, that 
realization that I was just floating through this life. Yes, I had had success. Yes, I, you know, my greatest asset and, you know, greatest, um, what's the right word? accomplishment in this life is the friendships I've cultivated. I have extraordinary friends from, you know, all experiences in my life, but I was just floating, not knowing what my special gifts were and what I was put on this planet to do. And my mom was 55 when she passed away. And I knew that her life was lost in order to help me find mine. And so I went on a journey of self-reflection and exploration to understand what was I intended to do? And it was kind of staring me right in the face. So I had started, my first aerobics class was when I was eight years old in a church basement with my mom. And I fell in love with fitness and movement. And, you know, from a very early age, understood not just what the movement did for my body and mind, but the community that was created through it. So I started teaching fitness classes in college. It was always my side hustle, no matter, you know, I was flying a hundred thousand miles a year, you know, selling for a job and, you know, leading a large team and still coming back on Saturdays and teaching cardio kickboxing at the local gym. Right. Um, but it had been staring me in the face and, ironically, my mom had told me you are meant to, you know, work in this field. But at the time, fitness careers just looked like being a fitness instructor or trainer, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't mm-hmm. really understand that there was opportunity outside of that. And um, so I had had a hip surgery in 2011 and my rehab from hip surgery was cycling. So I started cycling, found, didn't lo- really like it, found an experience that I loved, followed the teacher all around. He left to start his own studio in New York and I started teaching there. And so I was teaching on the side and then they wanted me to come on full time. And I'm like, I can't do this. That was not the identity that I thought I was going to have. Like I've got a mortgage and a corporate paycheck. Like that's not that my life. That story sounds familiar. I don't want to pay, teach $25 boot camp classes because I used to be an attorney. <laughs> you, you know, we have very parallel kind of stories in that way. Yes. And um, so, but I literally went home and ran the numbers that weekend because I knew at that point what my purpose was. I'd already done that work and I knew I wanted to take what I did in my professional experience and bring it to the fitness and wellness world. I just didn't know what that would look like. So I ended up leaving my corporate job behind and teaching spin for a year. I taught 15 spin classes a week and, you know, really got acclimated into the New York fitness scene and the idea had already been planted based on some work I had done with clients in the past. In So I started teaching SPIN in 2014. You know, from 2014 to 2017 was a time of tremendous growth in fitness and wellness across the country, but particularly in New York City. You know, we call it like the, the, the good old times of fitness studios and, you know, the really up and coming of everything that was created during that time. Whereas now you can walk down any block and there's a fitness concept. It didn't, it wasn't like that at that time. It was just starting. And so I really saw this opportunity to sit in the middle as a broker and Mm -hmm. bring together different brands because I had the realization the way that these wellness brands grow, um, you know, is unique and different than other brands. And it can be very much neighborhood by neighborhood or block by block and, you know, referral by referral. And so how do you tap into this really hyper-targeted audience? 
And, you know, I could see that a brand that has certain assets could desire assets that another brand has that they don't have. And if I brought them together, one plus one would no longer equal two, one plus one would equal 10. So I knew if I could bring together this collective of brands that have a similar mission, they want to make this world healthier. That may come to life in a lot of different ways, but the mission is the same, that I could help to amplify all of these different people, products, experiences, and bring them to more people. And my purpose on this planet is to inspire others to become the best version of themselves. Through my company, I am able to amplify these people, products, and experiences and touch many more people to convert them to a lifestyle that is healthier, whether it is physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm. I think it's really, you said like a million things that are really great, but what I think is really great is that first is you've learned, you figured out what your purpose is. And I think so many of us kind of go through the motions of life and we're like, okay, you know, this is what I like to do, or this is what I, you know, I want to do. But sometimes those don't align with like, what is actually like, what are you meant to do? Like, that's a completely different thing. How do you think it is to, to find that balance between like, this is what I like, this is what I'm good at. And this is what I'm meant for. And what was that like light bulb moment? Or was there one event that you were like, this is it. And then I guess like to kind of keep going on that thought is like, how do you walk in alignment with your purpose? especially in a day and age where you can so easily be pulled in a million directions. You may have to remind me of the second question (laughs) um, in case I forget, but you know, I really went deep into a journey to understand and find my purpose. I didn't know it. I didn't know how to get there. There weren't at the time, you know, tools and resources that were accessible to me, but I, I knew enough about asking myself, questions to try to peel away those layers. So I started to Mm. dissect, you know, and, and I, and I've been in a corporate world for 15 years. I had the benefit of going through 360 review processes and like getting feedback from other people and assessing my team. And so it was kind of like, I just applied those things to myself, right? What was it that I really liked doing professionally? What activities did I like participating in personally? What would other people say are my personal and professional strengths? You know, what would my best friend say they loved most about me when I'm in an environment, you know, and somebody looks over and that's, they're like, that's the lizest thing you could do. Like, what is that? And so I just truly went through a self-reflection process and asked myself those things and, and realized, you know, One of the things about the last role that I was in before I started my own business is I loved the work. Sorry. I loved the clients. I loved the team. I loved some of the projects that we were doing. I didn't necessarily love all of the work and I did not love the uh, ethos of the company and the leadership. And so, you know, as I was going through this process on my own, you know, trying to kind of undo some of the things from my last role because my old boss had told me multiple times that I was bad at uh, connecting the dots and being a connector. And one of my greatest strengths and gifts in my life and on this planet is my ability to connect people. And so if I had let myself believe something that somebody 
gave me feedback on, I would have never created the company and the mission that I have now. You know what I mean? And so for me, it was, you know, really just asking myself those questions and tuning into and asking my board of directors around me, right? I've collected this amazing, um, these amazing friends and colleagues throughout my life. So really leaning into their perceptions as well to come to what is it that my special gifts and talents are putting me, you know, preparing me, placing me to do. Um, so that, that was really how I went through the process to understand it. I went through a training course when I was at the Gap in 2004 that was around values and identifying your values. So, you know, you did all these things like you had a stranger interview you, your your boss filled out a questionnaire, your best friend, your partner, your, you know, whatever. And right. at the end of it, you came out of it with your top five values, understanding what they were and if you were in alignment with those values and living according to them. So I already had that in my toolkit, you know, for a good amount of time. And my birthday is New Year's Eve. So every year on my birthday, it's a great restart, right? Because the calendar year is restarting and my physical year is restarting. And I take those values out and I no longer have to do this exercise because of the way I live my life now, but I would take them out and I would say, okay, health, pleasure, creativity, responsibility, friendship. Am I living in alignment with these things? And what I started to learn was whenever I would have some sort of unhappiness creep up in my life or unease, it was because there was a cognitive dissonance between the value I wanted to be living and how I was living my life. If I wasn't, you know, getting my taxes done on time, I'm not checking that responsibility tab, right? And then I'm not feeling good about how I'm showing up in the world. So once I started to like understand that process, it gave me a matrix for decision-making. Um, you know, I, I really benefited from um, kind of my mindset at an early age because I always say I was, I was 30 since I was 15. And it's not a coincidence that I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 15, right? I had to grow up really fast and be incredibly responsible. And it was literally a life or death situation. Mm -hmm. But I always was really connected to who I was. I understood how I wanted to show up in this world. Like, you know, even in high school, you know, I was popular, but it wasn't, you know, I, sure, I was like a competition cheerleader. It had nothing to do with that. It didn't have to do with like how I looked or who I hung out with or, you know, I wasn't even allowed to drive. It was it certainly wasn't the car I drove. It was that I was kind to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of connected with that early on understanding like this is how I want to show up in the world. And if I do it and it's, you know, with good intention, then then I'm happy with myself and I feel complete and whole. And so, you know, as I started to understand my purpose, having this framework of everything that I do should line up with inspiring others to be the best version of themselves. And as long as I'm checking those five values boxes, then I'm in alignment with how I want to be perceived and how I want to live my life. And it really creates a lot of, you know, wholeness and happiness and fulfillment because of that. And I know like if I have 
a moment where I'm like, something's not right. Every single time I go back to that values list and I ask myself, where is there misalignment and what do I need to um, modify? You know, I am, I have never had a sip of alcohol in my life, not for any reason except for my health was complicated because I was, you know, diagnosed with diabetes at a young age and made that decision very young, not like, oh, I'm never going to do this, but more, it's not the right thing for me right now. I can reevaluate it later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been an early riser since I was a kid and, you know, woke up at six o'clock, whether it was college or, you know, teenage years or now. And I just think I just knew it was right for me and didn't really care what other people thought. So if you're going to make fun of me because I don't want to stay out late or if you're going to make fun of me because I don't drink, like you're not my people anyways. And I just like it was incredibly important for me to live in alignment with those decisions that I made that line up with my purpose and values. I feel like what's really interesting is that you come from a corporate background and you've mentioned now twice, two things I think is really, really key is that like gap had you guys looking at what at company and core values back in like the early two thousands and that you've been doing experiential events all this time. And one of, I think the, the reasons like you and I were initially like attracted to each other as friends is because we have a similar corporate background. You have way more of a corporate experience than I do, but we both kind of went through, like I was in big law, you did like fortune 100, 500 companies. And I think that people discount the value in that. And that as part of like your journey, so many people are like, oh, you know, you kind of, you, you do your time and you move on. But I think that it's, that time is, is tremendous. And I think that I would say, and you would probably say too, that like everything you learn there, you've been able to take with you. How has that been a translatable experience and, and how has that been interesting for you? Because we talk about core values now, like we invented the concept. It's been around for forever, <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. business coaches love to be like, what are your core values? I came up with this really cool, innovative idea. It's called core values. And it's like, no, this has been around for a long time. So well, I would love to know you had the course in 2004. I took it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like literally at least 20 years now, guys. But, but what I, I would, I'm curious about is how has that transition been for you when you've been doing these things on a corporate, very structured professional level. And now kind of small businesses are just getting on that train or even just like just stopping to resist getting on that train. Like how do you feel that kind of push and pull has been? And like, how have you brought that into your work yourself? You know, I, I get asked by a lot of people, whether they are just starting their own business or, you know, in a role and thinking about, should I leave to, for whatever myriad of reasons, you know, I get asked that kind of question a lot. And I, so if you, if I was filling out a survey or you were to ask me the question on, um, if I was religious, spiritual, you know, whatever is in that kind of checkbox, for a long time, I would have said I was spiritual. And you know, I grew up in the South and around a lot of religion. My family wasn't religious, but I had a lot of experiences and perspectives that turned me off from it because, you know, where I grew up, it was very exclusive, not inclusive, right? Like you were judged and bad if you didn't do certain things. And so, you know, I always said I was spiritual, but I did not understand what that meant. I went on a spirituality journey in 2017 that was profound and 
really set me up um, in terms of my perspective and worldview around spirituality. And the reason I'm bringing this up when you're like, why is she talking about this? Because to me, spirituality, part of it is having a purpose and being connected to something bigger. And I truly, truly believe, um, Danielle, that everything that I did was in alignment with where I was supposed to be going. So the fact that I worked for, you know, this massive company with extraordinary resources and programs and structure. And, you know, it's where I learned how to manage time for myself and for others, where I learned how to lead people, where I learned, you know, about brand building, where I learned, I mean, I can write a technical communication like nobody's business because I had to write store communication for, um, you know, 65,000 people. And so you can't make a mistake and it has to be very clear and, and action oriented. And so, you know, that prepared me with all the fundamentals in my career and also this introduction of experiential marketing. And then, you know, I went to a company where in three years, my team did 40,000 sampling events. So to have, you know, and that's not, I didn't like put an extra zero or two in that. Like that's literally how many events we did in three years. And, you know, to understand how I could get samples to thousands of people and locations across the country was a real benefit as I went into the health and wellness world. And that was going to become a big part of what I did. I went on to, you know, really learn how to produce experiences, everything from like, if I needed to go on stage and call a show, I could do that because my team had to do it. So I had to learn how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, understanding everything that went behind, you know, creating a world tour for Intel, like every single thing along the way prepared me for what I was going to be meant to do. So I, you know, I truly am just grateful for that experience and that foundation. And, you know, sometimes I ask myself, oh, wow, what more could I have accomplished if I had started on my own earlier? That wasn't my timing. You know, I was Mm -hmm. meant to learn and experience what I was meant to learn and experience. And I always, you know, one of the things I say about how I'm supposed to show up in this world I'm not meant to be one to one or one to a few. I'm meant to be one to many. I know that in terms of what I bring to the table. And so everything I was doing was preparing me to be able to be one to many and to figure out how to incorporate that into my my work and my life. I love that. I would love to kind of dive deeper into like the technicality of what you do. I think that we have, this is my opinion, <laughs> I think I feel that we've really changed how like influence is done these days. Like this role of influencer, like we kind of went through this like golden age almost in like 2016 to 18 to 2020 of, of like, you know, people posting crap online and then like brands paying for them and, and this and that. And I think that we've become savvier shoppers and consumers. And so I'm really curious to hear from your perspective, how has, experiential marketing. It's really been the thing now. Like how has that changed how brands are working with their clients and customers? And how have you kind of seen brand engagement, influencer engagement, social media playing into all of this shift and kind of where do you see it going now from here? So 
one of my personal talents is the ability to zoom out to 10,000 feet. And it's one of the things my team used to say to me, like, I'd be bugging them about something. I'd keep asking about this thing. And they're like, why is she bugging me about this? And then a week later, they'd be like, oh, she could see what was going to happen down the road when we couldn't see it, right? And so it's one of the things that has benefited me in terms of building I don't, I don't create events, I create experiences. And it's been a big difference in, you know, the, what the terminology of those words are, because I'm not just thinking about, okay, when we get on site, what is the food and beverage that's going to be there? And, you know, this is what's happening in the programming or the stage. I'm thinking about how are we first interacting with that person? What does the communication look like when we're reaching out to them ahead of time? What, you know, not just like what talent are we involving, but what are their different assets that they have access to? And does somebody have a really big email database? And so we want to work with them because we want to have more reach for this particular activation. And, um, you know, where are the retail components? Like how are we selling one of our partner's products all throughout the experience? What does it look like to sell it through Instagram or, or retail or, you know, really what are all of the touch points within the consumer experience and how do we give them something of value that, they're going to want to not just engage with a brand for one time, but they're going to want to keep coming back over and over and over again. I will trade every single time a transactional experience for a longer term experience that maybe you don't get everything up front, but you build the relationship and you get way more out of the lifetime value of it. Um, so, you know, there are times when I've like pitched or proposed things and, you know, they go with another option but that option is very transactional and short-lived and they end up coming back to me like, oh, we didn't understand. We should have invested in the longer term experience, not just the one-time thing. I like absolutely love what you just said there because I think that the day and age of like, oh, I just got sent a free something from a brand and I'm going to talk about it once on my social media page, that's done. Or the like, hey, we're going to go to this event that's being sponsored by this brand, you know, and then that's, we're never going to hear from them again. And they're going to hope that we become con consumers. Like, yeah, like we've become too savvy for that. Like we want to be invested and we want to yeah. like feel like they're also invested in us. One of the things that I'm seeing that I'm super happy to see, especially with some of the partners that I'm working with is, you know, in the past it's felt like, okay, here, here's the budget we have. We want to support this thing. We want you to do it exactly this way. And this is what we're paying for. I'm seeing a shift in brands saying, hey, talent or hey, experience or hey, platform, we believe in you. We trust you. We want to help you build a brand and you're going to help us build our brand. So we're going to support your platform and it, we're not supporting the like specific thing you're doing. You're the one that's going to help us bring this to life and we're just supporting your platform. So for me, I'm finding, you know, the, the, the brands and the companies that I'm engaging with more and more have that type of purview and understand the bigger picture in that, you know, if I work with this person and support them and amplify them and give them resources so that they don't have to worry about resources and they can do what they do best, 
that's really the direction that I'm going and that I'm seeing the smart brands are going as well. What else do you think is like trending for marketing that if you wanted to on the, I hate saying the word influencer, but like, that's kind of like, if you are a person that wants to partner with brands and you want to make it organic into your business and who you are as a persona, like how, what do you think the best way to do that is, or what trending way do you think that's going? I think, you know, it's kind of like doing that self purpose and values exploration, right? It's a similar Mm. thing. It's what I taught yesterday in the workshop about understanding your personal assets. And so, you know, inventorying what those assets are and understanding what are the top three that you are uniquely positioned to manage differently than other people. So, you know, for example, um, I'm trying to think if I can use a real life example of the the group that I had yesterday. Um, one of the folks in the workshop, she is a um, running performance coach. And okay. so, you know, she has a very unique skill set and she has a formula that has been proven to improve your running skills and your speed. And so, you know, that in itself is a huge asset that other people would want to be able to be a part of, right? So understanding for her, like, okay, my greatest assets are, you know, maybe I don't have a, you know, 10,000 person email list, but I've got a a 1,000 person email list that's very dedicated to runners, right? And a brand is going to be really... um, you know, that's going to be exciting to them or this kind of unique talent within that space that that's going to be very exciting to a brand. So I think, you know, for so long, everybody's just focused on how can I build my social following? That's the thing that everybody sees. But in my opinion, it's looking at all of the assets you bring to the table and which ones are uniquely going to position you to be to be covetable for a partnership. And I say a brand that could be a strategic partner. That could be another, you know, talent partner that could, that could, that could be a organization that supports you. But if you don't go through that inventory, you also aren't going to understand, Oh, well, for me, my email database is really important, but it's not where I want it to be. So I need Mm -hmm. to spend the next six months really cultivating it so that it's in a place where I feel good about it as a asset for myself. I think that's such a great thought process and like mental exercise for all of us because I I think when like social media came into be, we were all kind of like, well, I'll, I'll own this for myself about like, you know, how can I build this following in this community? And like my approach with social media has changed so much over the years. And it was also like, how can we, how could I monetize this and who would, you know, want to pay for this? And now it's funny because I'll get messages all the time or I'll get brands all the time and be like, we'd love to partner with you. We'd love to do this. And I have to just honestly say, I'm like, how am I going to authentically speak on this or how am I authentically going to like show up in this? And, and I just tell people flat out, like, this is not aligned with who I am. And that's like so insulting (laughs) to some brands. It's just, it's just not authentic. Like, you know what I talk about on my page? I talk about business and mindset and like owning your worth and like women in business. So like, you know, I don't need this protein powder or I don't need this like energy drink or whatever it is. And, And I think that, that like we've all become really savvy and that a lot of people forget that, that like, if it doesn't align with you, it's not going to look good when you do it. And if it doesn't look good, no one's going to buy into it. And it's this vicious cycle. So like, just stay out of the cycle. Yeah. And it's also, you know, let's say, um, 
you know, pro, pro, I'm giving away all my secrets, Danielle, but let's say yeah. the, the protein powder company comes to you and they say, you know, we want you to post on your page, you know, for us. And where I would turn around and I would go, actually, what I would love is to host a workshop for, you know, 30 women where they come and they, um, you know, take, take part in the content that I'm teaching and we have a fitness portion. And by the way, we can make smoothies, you know, with your protein powder. Do you want to help subsidize that event so that I can do what I do best in an environment that reaches more people? Like, for me, that's how I, that's, that's my secret sauce and what I do best is understanding, okay, how do I take what is of interest to both parties that I'm working with and find something that really benefits both of them? So, you know, I'm super curious about, tell me how you approach a company that doesn't even necessarily know that they could get value added and how do you pitch yourself? And I don't need like a really like granular way, or, or maybe actually I would love a granular way, but Somebody, somebody actually like at a happy hour I was at the other night, like kind of like a woman, but like mansplained, like, how do I sell? And I was like, this is, it was insane. But I, what, what's funny is she was like, you have to tell them that they, they have a problem and and show them they have a problem and pour salt on their problem. But I'm like, it's not so simple. And so for you, you're going to these two brands that could have like a really beautiful symbiotic relationship, but they don't even know it yet. So how do you, how do you, um, raise that? that solution to a problem they don't even know they have because it's not a problem necessarily. I mean, I hope, I hope this answers it. You know, I, I'm, I'm sort of going to answer it and sort of not going to answer it. So tell me if you want me to redirect me. I basically, I've been a connector my whole life, right? So mm-hmm before this had anything to do with what my, you know, what I was getting paid for on a daily basis, I was the one who was always like, oh my gosh, you just did this. My friend just started working for this company. You guys need to talk. So throughout my life, all I did was pair people up and say, oh my gosh, you need to meet my friend. Like it's my greatest joy when I introduce people and then they go off to have a friendship or a business relationship. Like when I see people liking each other's stuff on Instagram and I know I introduce them, it makes me so happy. Uh, But I've spent my whole life really cultivating these relationships. And when I first launched my business, I I was working full time. So I was teaching spin and I was um, doing operations and marketing for the brand and opened their second location. And I knew like, I can't, you know, I am single. I don't have a partner at the moment. I hope to at some point, but you know, girlfriend's got to pay all her bills and I don't have anybody else, you know, supporting me. So I knew I've got to build up my business to a place where it will then support my livelihood. And, um, I spent the first six months talking to every person I knew that had anything connected to the wellness industry. I didn't Mm. ask them for anything. I didn't say, I want to work with you. I said, I want you to know what I'm working on, right? Just FYI, there's a business I'm starting with, you know, just what are you doing? What's important to you? And because I knew if I put this effort in up front, my phone's going to start ringing one day right? And I'm going to be the first person that they're thinking of when something comes up. Because I wasn't trying to catch them when they were in the moment. I wanted to be the first person that they thought of. And so I really invested in that originally. And honestly, that when I learned that networking was just 
catching up with your people that you like in your life, friends and colleagues, and seeing what they're up to and how you can help them, it changed everything for me. You know, I would never want to go to a networking event. Like, that is not my speed. I don't want to do it, even though I'm an extrovert. And so I've just made it a practice and a lifestyle for me that, I mean, you know this, like, so as you know, right now I am living primarily in Los Angeles, but I live in LA and New York. So I go back and forth. But for a time when I first launched my business, I launched it in New York and LA at the same time. I had no business launching in LA. I didn't know anybody here. And I, you know, I was worried about doing it. But anyways, it, it worked out literally on my first trip out here. It worked out. And I ended up getting my very first retain, retainer client from my first trip here. But you would know when I would come in town, I'd hit you up and I'd say, hey, yep. let's go for a workout and a juice. Like, that's what my life looks like. And, you know, notice I didn't say let's go for a drink and to stay up late because that's not what I'm going to be doing, right? As yep. a social activity. So I really have just cultivated all of these relationships so that when it was time to say, oh, hey, I need a partner for the Black Beauty um, Black Beauty and Wellness Summit on behalf of Brown Girl Jane. Who can I reach out to? I started picking up the phone and reaching out to my contacts. So have I have I cold called and outreached people? Absolutely. But that that's rare because I'm working now to build the relationships that I know will benefit me in the future, but will also benefit them, right? Like there are many times that I have executed partnerships on behalf of folks that I wasn't getting paid for. And, you know, they didn't ask me to, but I was like, Hey, I had this opportunity come up. I was thinking about you. Would you be interested? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was more like because cultivating relationships, relationships is my currency. Connections is my currency. So, you know, I can't be poor in that aspect. I have to be rich in terms of relationships. And you also, we were talking about this before we hit record, is that like you have to repeat yourself a million times of like, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do. And like you want to be repeating it till you're blue in the face before the person even has a problem. Because then as soon as they have a problem, they've already heard you say it 17 billion times. And they're like, oh, but I'm not worried that I have this problem because I have Liz who already has a solution. And that is like something I don't think a lot of people remember is that like it's just this comp it's this constant like a million touch points to make a sale right it's not even seven and it's not and that's not even to like put it so bluntly as like it was a sale but it was like in order for you to sign a deal or you know whatever it is with a new client that like it was this constant like here I am here I am here I am I'm showing up in the service of just this relationship and that I think a lot of people think that just because you're like, oh, hey, I'm a, I can solve your problem, hire me. People don't hire you for what you can do. People hire you for who you are. And that's a, that's a disconnect that I think you really understand. That and proof of concepts, meaning like, sh- show me what you, like, don't come to me to get you to hire me if you also have, can't show proof of what you've done. So, you know, my very first partnership that I did on behalf of Fit Collective was with Higher Dose, which most people know that brand, 
you know, in the wellness space pretty well. Um, I had known Katie and Lauren through, you know, some just different New York wellness things and approached them and said, Hey, I'm starting this business. I would love to work with you to develop a partnership. Um, I'm going to do it for free. You don't have to pay me anything. I would, you know, I knew that if I could be aligned with a prestige brand in the space and use that in my portfolio, that I would then be able to attract other opportunities based on it. So they had said, you know, I, we're looking for beauty partners. We don't know exactly what that will come to life like, or, you know, what it should, but we know we want to align with some beauty partners. And at the time, you know, now they are very much in the product business. So they, they started as an infrared sauna experience and then added on the infrared sauna blankets and the PMF mats and, you know, red light therapy. So they've, they've diversified a ton, but at the time they had just moved into 11 Howard. They had taken over a floor and were doing uh, sauna experiences within hotel rooms. And I, at the time had a great relationship with Ren Clean Skincare. And so I went to my contact at Ren and said, Hey, this is the brand, you know, they're in alignment with your ethos, your values, your positioning in the marketplace. I know you just launched a kelp and magnesium line, and those are really restorative nutrients. And after you've done a sauna and taken a shower, the last thing you want to do is put anything that's harmful back on your body. And so I brought them to Higher Dose, and we ended up creating a partnership, stocking all of their showers and bathrooms. And then it also gave us the opportunity to do sampling, right? So we could, you know, launch kelp and magnesium through a sampling program at higher dose. And then, you know, so we were able to launch launch and sample a couple of different products throughout the duration of that partnership. But um, I went to them and said, hey, what do you need? What can I be of service to you? And, you know, I think when people are starting businesses and especially, you know, I had a great tenured career. I was incredibly successful. I was in high level positions. I could have gone to them and said, here's my rate. Here's, you know, what it will cost to work with me. And I think a lot of people who start businesses are like, I'm not going to do anything if I don't get the value that I deserve. Mm-hmm. You got to prove it. you got to prove yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I was doing something new in a new industry and so I needed to be able to show proof of what I could do. So for me that was important like I'm going to align with a two prestige brands and if I can show proof of this then it's going to get me the bigger fish and the bigger fish and the bigger fish. Yeah, and I I think like sometimes we think that we've have so much experience and background in doing something And just because those skills are translatable or directly translate, that when we then start working for ourselves, it should just be like a no-brainer. And it's almost like starting over again and paying your dues. Like the the I always go back to my $25 a boot camp class teaching fitness. Like you just start over. It doesn't matter if you were, you know, a collegiate athlete or a Nike sponsored athlete. Like you gotta start over. And and I think what you just said was really valuable about like, let me just do this to as like a proof of concept and let me do this to get this under my belt. And And I think that a lot of times, and I don't, I don't mean to say it's a generational thing. There's, there is a slight like entitlement that just like, oh, I'm great. And this is my rate and pay me. But Mm -hmm. so many of us who were quote unquote overnight successes or who now own and run very successful and well-run businesses had years and years and years of quiet struggle and quiet hustle under our belts before you even heard of us. And then you've heard of us and now we're doing big things and you're just like, oh, well, Liz is going in or Danielle's going in and demanding this. It's like, because we have 
we we we've been in the dirt long enough, you know. Oh yeah, this bitch was like scraping <laughs> pennies for a minute, you know. Like I I, but honestly, I wouldn't trade any of that for anything because I am so appreciative of everything, you know, of all the highs because I've experienced the lows. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, last like thing I would love to kind of hear is is we were talking earlier about how you've been really, really busy with business. And I think that as a solo business owner who has, you know, a team supporting that, it's not a solo business owner, but like, you know, small business with a team supporting you, you, you sometimes get a little overwhelmed. And like, how are you able to create any semblance of a life balance? Me personally, knowing how busy you are, how are you finding time for yourself? Are you finding time for yourself? And like, what is your one piece of advice for people who are in a really busy season to, to still be able to take care of yourself and still be able to reconnect with your core values? Just this last week, I decided my meditation mantra is going to be, I can be wildly successful and still take good care of myself. Oh, you know, I, um, I have taught fitness classes for years and, 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 you know, spin classes specifically where, and you taught, you taught spin when you were with the studio. Yeah. Did you teach? Okay. That's what I thought. You you know, it's a, it's a medium unlike any other in that for whatever reason for me, my spin class was the place where I could, it was my pulpit, right? I could preach and praise and, you know, message in a way that is not as easy to do in other formats of classes. Um, and so, you know, I've been a coach in that standpoint and done, you know, business, personal wellness, executive coaching kind of, that's really what got me through the pandemic, right? As live, uh, wellness experiences were not happening and I switched more into the corporate wellness side of the world. But one of the things that I've established myself that I now teach others is the disciplines, the practices, the rituals, you have to put them in place during the lesser seasons, during the easy seasons, right? So, you know, I'm an incredibly disciplined person and incorporating those practices and working on them in the times where it is less busy so that when shit hits the fan and when the schedule is wild, all you have to do is lean back on the muscle memory of those things. Like I'm going to go on a walk every day. I'm still going to wake up early. I'm going to eat, you know, the most amount of vegetables I can with the schedule that I have. Um, so for me, those those are some of the things that keep me going. I'm in a real season of struggling with it. And even though, you know, even those of us who are really good at it still have those moments of struggling, right? Because as you grow and ascend, whether it's in a career at another company or you're creating your own thing, there are growing pains, right? And as you scale, there are growing pains. So, you know, I had gotten good and comfortable at the level I was at before and how it all worked. And then all of a sudden I had growth in my business. And so it's like, I'm working on putting those practices and plans into place. I got, and uh, this is a great example. I have a part-time assist, uh, executive assistant now. And one of the things that she does for me is sets up doctor's appointments. So I had 
an orthopedic appointment. I started physical therapy. I had a primary care doctor last year and I, or yesterday, and I have two more appointments set up. I would have put those off for months and months and months, right? Because they weren't critical, you know, at the time. And I was like, nope, I need to invest in something that I know is important to me. Health is my number one value. I need to get these things in order. Um, and so just recognizing, like, I needed help in that way. I knew left to my own devices, I wasn't going to do that. I could, you know, she helps me with scheduling and calendar and some other things as well. But I could have easily just said, oh, just help me with my schedule. Don't worry about personal stuff. But for me, that was a priority. You know, movement every day, no matter what. I'm a huge walker. And that's, we were talking about how much I love podcasts. I've I've reached the end of the internet internet on podcasts. And please, anybody send me recommendations. I want them all, especially for women. I've had a really hard time finding, you know, I'm always looking for motivational, um, inspiring stories. Okay. Please send them my way. Okay. Have 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 you started listening to the Every Girl podcast? I, wait, did you have a, I did. You promoted one of the episodes, didn't you? Yes, I did. There's so I, I, I listened to what you said with the with the hundred thousand. Yes, financial feminist, so yes. good. Every girl podcast, so good. Um, Hillary Kerr's um, Second Life podcast, so good. Like, let me off air. I'll give you a million racks. I got you. Okay. <laughs> but I'm a big walker, and so you know, just because I'm not in New York full time doesn't mean I can't go on these walks. So like when we're done, I'm going to send a couple emails and then I'm going on a walk. Like it is a priority to me, um, to, you know, and so morning routine is really important for me this year. My goal was that I was going to have a full morning routine and an abbreviated morning routine, because what I do when I travel or when I'm out of my environment is I don't do it. And I don't like that because then it's hard to come back into the routine. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my full morning routine and I'm going to pick three things, right? Maybe it's stretching and, you know, gua sha on my face and um, writing my gratitude list, right? And But I'm not doing, I'm not meditating. I'm not praying. I'm not, uh, you know, some of the other things that I might do when I have more time. And so that's another thing. It was like, I can either keep going on this trajectory of not doing it every time I'm out of my environment or accept that I can do a lesser version and know it's still benefiting me in some way. I think that's really, I mean, it kind of goes back to like your core values of like, if am I grounded in these things? And like, you know what grounds you. And it's kind of like what we were talking about off air is that like, sometimes we know, like we know what we need to be doing, but we just have to like convince ourselves to do it. But I think what's so amazing about you and what I've always really admired about you is you have such a strong sense of self and purpose and it shows and just shines through and like in everything you do and how you speak and the way you live, the way you work. And so, um, even in moments when you're busy, your sense of self grounds you. And I think that's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not at a, you know, it's at an expense. So meaning I haven't been on a date in a year. I, you know, Ladies, if you have any available suitors, 
please send them to Liz. Cause I mean, like she's beautiful. She's smart. She's athletic. Um, I would marry her if I wasn't already. So let's link Liz. Well, girl, it sounds like I may need healthcare. So we'll see if, um, if I need to do <laughs> She doesn't need healthcare. She makes her, she pays her own bills. Like honestly, yeah. like, like I, I'm pretty sure like she is like the golden catch. So I don't like, let's work on if, if you want to work on this. Anyways, okay. Yes, um, I do. New York yeah. or LA. I'm open to either Perfect. location. Perfect. So, <laughs> so on that note, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, on that note, Liz, like, where can everyone find you and connect with you? <laughs> so at Liz Van Boris on Instagram, you can also find my company, which I would love for you to follow because, you know, even though I am a B2B solution, many of my brands and partners are offering B2C solution. So it's at underscore the underscore fit underscore collective. I promise it's not that hard to find. So uh, we'll, link it. we'll link everything. Perfect. And then um, it, we didn't mention it here, but in coming to LA, one of the things that I saw as an opportunity was to create a space where wellness professionals could create content, stream classes, host small workshops and events. And so I have a space in Culver City called The Collective Space, which you have come by and ho- hopefully yeah. we can get together again very soon because um, I want I want to squeeze that little guy. Um, but yeah, you can find The Collective Space within Fit Collective's Instagram or at bookthecollectivespace.com and that's it. I mean, I'm sure I can be found other places. Don't, don't search too hard. You may find some, um, twerking on a spin bike videos. If you, if you go down the Google rabbit hole, but (laughs) that's, those are the main places. I die. I always tell people if you scroll deep enough on my Instagram, you'll find fitness thirst trap pictures, but we've hopefully covered Ooh, those up. That's what I'm doing right after this. I'm going to look at I enjoy on your walk, a little, <laughs> a little thing to do, but um, I will link all of those. And also just a shameless promotion for Liz. If you are in Los Angeles and you are ever looking for a space to film or host an event, I could not think of a better place to do that, especially since I know a lot of our listeners are traveling and they kind of think if I'm ever in this city, fill in the blank, where can I go? This is the place to go. And if also you are a individual and you're hoping one day to like work with a brand, like connect with Liz, she has so many great connections that she's even introduced me to so generously. And so um, not only is she just a wonderful person, but she's really good at what she does. And if that's something you're interested in, then let's get you guys connected to that. So we'll get all of your information in the show notes. And, um, since I know it's the end of your day, I'm going to leave you to go walk. Liz, thank you for being here. And I am just so grateful for your time and your energy. I am grateful for you. Thank you for being a friend for this platform, for what you're doing for the industry. And just thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. You got it, girlfriend. You got it.